Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi team. Welcome back to Financial Feminist. I'm Tori Dunlap, money speaker and educator, founder of Her First 100K and the unofficial Try Guys archivist. We are at the end of season one. So it is bonus episode time, y'all. It's the episode you always hoped for but never knew you needed. My best friend, Christine, interviews me. When I started the show, I knew that I wanted to make at least one episode per season that wasn't about money. And because it's my podcast, I get to do what I want. So we're not really talking about money this time around. If that's not for you, go ahead and skip this episode. No harm, no foul. But if you're interested in being a fly on the wall today while we shoot the shit for like two hours, great, strap in. In this episode, we share laughs and tears over memories from our past four years of friendship. We talk about the heartache and big wins of 2020. We share stories of our trips, hashtag friend moon, including a particularly embarrassing evening in the UK where I may or may not have made out with a complete stranger, but you'll have to listen to find out. You quickly realize how often I drop pop culture references and quote my favorite things. So today's show notes are a little bit different. In addition to resources, more info about the show and Christine, I'll also have time codes with links to all the references and inside jokes we make in case you want to follow along. I am basing this off of, anybody have the Grillmore Girls DVD box sets and they had like a guide to all the references they make? That's the inspiration for this. So if you care, amazing. Check out the show notes. And please, if you love the show, rate and review, subscribe, tell your friends. We appreciate your support of our mission and this movement. Let's get into it. How you doing? I'm I'm good. I've been listening to um, the 2005 Justin Timberlake classic, Future Sex Love Sounds. <laughs> Is that the sexy back one? Yeah, that album does not get enough credit. It starts with like a full, like very clear sexual, like just right into it. It's just, <laughs> it's very clear what he wants immediately. <laughs> And it makes it sound like you're talking about, like, there is no foreplay. It's right into sex. <laughs> I mean, there is no warm up. He does say, tell me which way you like that. And we like, we like consent. We like discussion and communication. Uh, no, but the song is like immediate. It's called, it starts with future sex love sounds. That's the first song on the album. And then it transitions immediately into sexy back. And it is one of the best transitions. And we don't give it enough credit. It's like so good. Like if that came on in a club, I would lose my goddamn mind. Like future sex. Does that just mean like pre-planned? Like 
I well foreplay, I guess. Maybe mm-hmm. we're going to have sex in the future, and then you'll and play this album. Sounds- <laughs> when in my we have head, it love sounds future. was like was like what happens during set, but mm-hmm. that's probably your pro your your interpretation is probably more <laughs> accurate than just like okay. guttural moans. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Justin, um, we have 13 tracks of you just moaning. <laughs> and you're like, oh my God, I swear it's going to be longer. Uh. Oh, and Timbaland's like, yes, yes, keep that, keep that. And he's just in there, yeah, just going. <laughs> or it was actually really funny. There's this old interview he did on Ellen, like again, back in like 2005, where he talked about like how the song Sexy Back came to be. And you definitely know that those lyrics were written after the music was because it's just like come here girl go ahead be gone to the come to the back go ahead be got like it's just go ahead be gone with it for like a solid 45 seconds every like minute two Mm -hmm. minutes oh that's gotta be pretty cool to be able to like go into (laughs) a studio and be like i'm just gonna say a few words can put it into (laughs) any track and it will be a hit that tori dunlap loses her mind to at sixth grade dances Mm-hmm. And yeah. as a 26 year old woman, <laughs> Christine, hi, tell me who hi. you are and what you do and what you're all about. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Financial Feminist Podcast. I'll be your host today. <laughs> My name's Christine Oda, and you're probably wondering did an infant break into a studio and hit record? <laughs> no, it's just me, Tori's best friend and co creator of Funman, copyright pending. Yeah. <laughs> I actually should contact my attorney. Oh, really? Yeah, I should. Why not? I don't know if anybody's copyrighted Friend Moon. Oh, my God. If we can get 10 cents every time somebody says Friend Moon. (laughs) Every hashtag, we like hunt them down and we're like, this is a misuse of IP. Take it the fuck down. And every year we can have one really delicious meal. (laughs) On Friend Moon. (laughs) We're like, our Friend Moon was sponsored by the Friend Moon trademark. In this bonus episode, I'll be taking over as host. While unlike previous episodes where Tori is interviewing guests, I'll be interviewing Tori about all things not finance related. You want to kick it off or you want to keep, we can vamp for as long as we want. We were joking back and forth on text last night that this is just literally going to be a conversation that's normal between her and I, and it's going to be five hours long. Right. And also to trying to be cognizant that maybe our conversation would be 80% inside jokes and maybe 20% mm-hmm. people might understand. So I'm going to try and do the flip flop of only doing. Uh, first is how we met. That's the question. <laughs> I have a feeling that people that's are going to want to know how we met. No, we get asked that a lot. Um, so Christine and I met at work. Mm-hmm. It was my first job out of school. Uh, Christine had been there for, what, two years, three years at that time? Yeah, two years. That sounds about right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we were, just, we were just coworkers, and I thought she was super fashionable. Still is, of course, very fashionable. And she was kind of honestly the cool kid in the office. What? Uh, you were. You were. And you would, like, sh- roll in at, like, 945. And just be like, what's mm-hmm. up? What's up, bitches? And I'd be there at like 8.15. And you'd show up at 9.45 looking like always very put together. And yeah, I was 21, 22 uh, and my first job out of school. And the 
the company environment was super social and it was very focused on like people getting to know each other and hanging out outside of work. And uh, yeah, we just, we just became friends that way, but we weren't very close when I asked her to go on a trip. I literally walked up to her desk. I found this like crazy flight deal to Costa Rica. We had maybe known each other for six months at that time. I don't know if I had ever spent time with you alone outside of work, to be honest. Oh, yeah, that that's point. true. I don't know if we'd ever, like, we would, you know, hang out after work, but it would always be with other coworkers. I don't think I had, we had ever actually, like, done something independently. So I asked you to go on this trip with me. And honestly, that was, that could have been a horrible <laughs> choice. Like, that could have been so Was that your no, first person you we asked? We didn't know each other. Yes. That has to say something to Maybe it was my, it, it, well, it might've been my boyfriend at the time, mm. but he was in law school and it was like, he was not going to be able to travel. It was like after his spring break. So it might've been Aaron, mm-hmm. but it was, yeah, I was literally, I don't know. And this is like, it's as cheesy as it sounds. I literally do think like something told me, go, go ask, go ask Christine because it was like, I think it was, to be honest, I think it was also the practicality of she's right up the stairs. I wonder if she'll travel with me. Like, I want to go, but I don't want to go on this thing alone. Mm-hmm. And it was also just, I think something in, it, inside was like, oh, oh, ask Christine. And yeah, we had never, never really hung out outside of work. So it could have been absolutely disastrous. Mm-hmm. Not only like, could we not have gotten along, but we were literally going to travel internationally together for a week plus. Right. And that could have been so bad. Mm-hmm. And the crazy thing is you accepted. You were like, sure. And we bought tickets that day. like a half hour yeah. later. Yeah. And can I tell the story about Travis? Oh my God. <laughs> about him saying. Okay. <laughs> so Christine also happens to work with her ex-partner, which I admire her for so much because that's really tricky. Mm-hmm. And I ended up going to him and we had a meeting, him and I, and I I think he had heard or maybe I brought it up that I was going to travel with you. And he was like, you don't even know each other. And like, he wasn't wrong. Mm-hmm. He was like, you don't even know each other. Why are you doing this? And I think he was a little jealous, but also just like, this makes no sense. Like he, he was like very judgmental immediately. He's like, why are you traveling? And I was like, I don't know. I think it'd be fun. And I, that was the weird thing is like, no part of me was really worried. Yeah. Like I was like, we're going to have a good time. It's Costa Rica, baby. Yeah. Well, it's a testament to like how we felt about each other. Cause it was like, that could have been so bad, mm-hmm. like so bad in terms of like either safety or in terms of like even interests, right? You could have been interested in completely different things than me. And then that was, that was the first friend moon. That was friend moon 2017. We went to Costa Rica and we had an amazing time. The weird thing about a lot of our friend moons is that the first day there was a thunderstorm that happened in 2019 too. And so we were driving through Costa Rica to get to our first Airbnb, which was like on the side of a Costa Rican cliff. Mm-hmm. And it was this crazy, like nothing I've ever experienced before. Cause we were in the rainforest. So it was like, so thunder, thunder, so loud and just like crazy lightning. And you could hear the monkeys. Yeah. So that was our first day. It's like going on. Oh, the monkeys. <laughs> it was crazy. We were in a rainforest it cafe. It was so crazy. Is where we were. <laughs> I was waiting for jalapeno poppers. 
I ordered a $22 burger that was this Mm -hmm. big. Yeah. Uh, And a little strawberry lemonade. No, and it was a great trip. We like went to the, we had these amazing Airbnbs. One with, yeah, that first one was like this beautiful private pool for like a hundred bucks a night that we split. The second one had like horses. Didn't it have horses? I think we forget about that a lot. It had horses and another private pool. And that one had air conditioning, which was really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we swam in a waterfall our last day that was completely spontaneous and literally was like hard to believe we were there. We ate really good food. We had it breakfast was just, with yeah, sloths. It was a great time. With baby sloths. Oh my God. How did I forget the sloths? <laughs> yes, we had, that was one of our planned activities was we were like, we are going to get breakfast with baby sloths where they are on the opposite side of the table eating their hibiscus flowers for breakfast. And we are eating like our scrambled eggs and watermelon on our side of the table and literally got to watch them be fed. And it was this amazing like animal rescue rehabilitation clinic. Mm -hmm. So there was like all of these animals that had injuries or, you know, didn't, wasn't, weren't doing well and could come and stay here. And it was so cool. We got a tour for like 50 bucks, 50 bucks a piece. With breakfast with sloths. It was great. I know. And it was like a donation to these to this nonprofit and <laughs> we went zip lining. Yeah, it was a great time. And that ended up being Friend Moon 2017. We should probably explain what friend moons are too. Right. Copyright pending. Right. That's like me going up to Army Hammer and trying to explain to him what friend moons are. Copyright pending. Also, I can't just drop an Army Hammer reference and not also say that we do not condone his recent activities or that of the activities that have come to light. I met him in March of 2020, mm-hmm. right before the pandemic hit. Cause I saw him in a play and one of our favorite movies, which we'll probably talk about is call me by your name. CMBYN. And so I had a fucking freak out CMBYN, otherwise known as Fombat. Fuck me by act two. Also a reference. Uh, we're literally going to have to do a glossary. But yeah, and I had to explain to him what a friend moon was because I realized, of course, he didn't know. I was trying to tell him like how much the movie meant to us and friend moon. And he was like, friend moon. And I was like, oh, God, of course you don't know. Yeah. So it's basically a honeymoon type trip that you and I take as best friends. Mm-hmm. So we basically spend however long eating really good food and traveling all over and telling each other how much we love each other right? as platonic best friends. I feel like it works so well because the things that we like about traveling are like the same. So whatever activities or excursions or food that we go and get, it's like, okay, we know that um, we'll be cooking from the Airbnb for, you know, two meals of the day and then we'll go out and eat or we'll splurge on one meal for that trip or something like that. So, well, I think we get that. We get that question a lot too of like, how do you know who to travel with or how do you, how do you figure that out? And for us, like we've dated people that we don't travel with as much as, you know, or as well as we travel with each mm-hmm. other. <laughs> like, I think it's the biggest thing is like food is the priority <laughs> on trips. It's basically, can we eat our way through the city? And so, you know, you, you have to find not only common interests with somebody, but common interests when you travel. Mm-hmm. Cause I love museums. Like I'm a big museum fan but when I travel, I'll go to a museum or two. Like, you know, one of my previous partners, like it was like museums 24 mm-hmm. seven. And like, that was fun, but that was like, probably not my choice. Right. Like that was not the thing necessarily that I would like to do. Was it awful? No. But like, am I go- wanting to go to a museum every single day, sometimes twice a day? No, mm-hmm. no, not at all. And I think museums are very much curated to 
I don't know. It, it doesn't feel very like authentic. Straight white men, potentially? Yeah. Or, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if I'm just like thinking about British museums where it is basically whatever country that they colonized and a lot of their right. artifacts are based on that. Anyway, so <laughs> uh, I'm really glad that we don't do museums that much. And honestly, what I feel like I learn in museums are not nearly as much as what I would just like exploring. Eating the food and talking to people and mm-hmm. yep. Agreed. I mean, I do love a good museum, like, especially we're, we're planning, hopefully fingers crossed, we make it to France. We have a plan to go to France in September and hopefully COVID pending we're we're able to go to France. I love the museums of Paris, mm-hmm. like the Orangerie, Pompidou. Museum d'Orsay. Like, I mean, the Louvre is cool to go to, but it's like, it's huge. I, I felt so overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Oh, I felt so overwhelmed. I literally spent 45 minutes in the Louvre. I like saw Mona Lisa and I was like, okay, there's too many people. Like I need to go, <laughs> I need to go mm-hmm. somewhere else. It was too much. Yeah. I basically bed walked through the Louvre when I went and I'm like, okay, that's, yeah. that's famous. That's famous. That's famous. But I feel right. like with a lot of things with like art, it's it's based on the history of what ha- was going on in that time. And a lot of times I'm like, eh, I don't really know right. too much. I want to go back to the Louvre and do a Beyonce tour of the Louvre. Like all of the shots from... <laughs> and then it's going to be you posing and then me taking the picture. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad you know. I'm glad you yeah. know it. Like, that is the other thing. And this is going to sound ridiculous and very like hashtag influencer but we take each other's photos mm-hmm. all the time. That's something that is important to both of us because we want dope photos. And so we don't even have to like, like tell each other anymore. I just kind of like hand her the phone or she hands me the phone. And it's like this unspoken rule of like photos are going to yeah. happen. And there's also Minimum like 20 photos will be taken of each of us. Oh yeah. Yeah. Because no, you're not just taking one or two. You're taking 20 from like five different angles. And then we don't also have to explain to each other if we just want to like pull over on the side of the road and look at something. Mm-hmm. That's the other cool part is it's just like, I remember one time on a hike, I was going through a really hard time and I was just like, I need to get out of the car and just dance it the fuck out. And I didn't explain anything to you. I just turned on boy by Charlie Puth, which mm-hmm. is like one of my all time favorite songs and just pulled over on the side of the road. And you know, like, Tori, what are you doing? You just got out of the car and danced with me. And it was fantastic. It was great. I thought you were going to say when we were driving through Italy and we pulled over and then we like we picked some flowers or something or sage was growing on the side. Oh, oh we did do that. I forget about that sometimes. Yeah, tell that story because that was really fun. I feel like I just told it. Anyway, we pulled over to the side. Oh, sorry. <laughs> we pulled over to the side of the road and tore oh, in my head it was like this beautiful day it was and we were driving across italy and we were like on this road we like didn't see another person for like 20 25 minutes we were just driving and then there was these beautiful flowers on the side and now i'm telling the story mm-hmm. but go ahead <laughs> uh i think it was in oh gosh it I forgot now what the the name of those houses were called Truly houses. Truly. Is it, is that how you pronounce it? Yeah. We'll, we'll link a photo in the show notes. They're the coolest fucking looking houses. They're so mm-hmm. cool. And uh, we were driving through, through the Italian country and all of a sudden Troy was like, Oh my God, these flowers are beautiful. Like let's pull over. So we pull oh, over, so um, pick some flowers. There's also wild sage on, on the side of the road too. And we picked that and then yeah. Tori <laughs> stuck it in the vents in our car. So 
it would smell really nice in a car. And then it dried. It smelled like sage in a rental car. <laughs> and it dried and it went everywhere. Every time we, put a, we turned the AC on, it was like, all right, sage in the face. Mm-hmm. Sage but, dust. Uh, yeah. Was that on the way to Matera? Mm-hmm. And then, oh my God, trying to fit yeah. our car in that garage in Almafi. Oh my gosh, I completely forgot about oh, that. Oh, and trying to like navigate with the German couple. So we drove from like the Bari area which is like east, southeast Italy, to the Amalfi Coast, which is, what is that, west, southwest-ish? It's not fully south. It's not like mm-hmm. into, the, into the full boot. But um, the funny thing was, is we were literally staying like on the Amalfi Coast, like on the side of a cliff. And so we had mm-hmm. not an SUV, but like my RAV4 like equivalent, like a still an SUV, but a, a more compact SUV. And they had this tiny little parking garage that we were trying to pull our car into. And then this other couple was also staying uh-huh. there and they had this little tiny car. So we had to play like Tetris with our cars for the four days we were staying there. It was really funny. Three days. And their lock was like a stick. Oh God. <laughs> the lock to the garage was just like a stick that you had to, to put in. Yeah. And to like make sure the. Know. Where yeah, make sure the be. car or the garage door wouldn't open and shut. Yeah, it was just like a, a stick thrown in mm-hmm. there to make sure it would it would come apart. It was very funny. And that was a good deal too. That was that was like eighty bucks oh, an yeah. hour or something. And if you guys have if you guys follow me on Instagram, you've probably seen the bathtub shot with this like beautiful bathtub with stone in the back, and that was that Airbnb that like we just randomly found. Yeah, and if you just like opened up the windows, you just see yeah. the coast. And then there was like a little lemon. Yeah. It's a lemon, lemon tree. tree. It was so pretty. So beautiful. Yeah. It was a great time. Uh, so yeah, I think that's a uh, friend moon. <laughs> 25 minutes later. That's, that's friend moon. That's how we that's met. Fun. No, that's, that's how moon. we met. That Talk was the ending. original question. <laughs> well, I was actually thinking about this yesterday when I was coming up with questions was the first trip that I was actually, I invited you on, but then you said no, but we didn't, we really didn't know each other for very long. All I knew was that you loved John I Mulaney. regret this so much, but please and keep going. It's just going to be really painful to hear again. Go ahead. I had an extra ticket to go see John Mulaney in Spokane, Washington. So I was like, well, I know Tori loves John Mulaney. And so I invited her and she's like, uh, no, I mean, we don't really, where are we going to stay? I'm like, I don't know. We're just getting an Airbnb. Well, and <laughs> you were also going with friends and I would have been more comfortable going by. I feel like, especially when I was a little younger, like I was always nervous to go somewhere uh, with a group of people because you don't know what that group of mm-hmm. people is going to be into. Like, and and especially not right. potentially having sense. a way to get back home if you like don't want to be in there anymore. Like mm-hmm. if you go to a party and you're like, I I don't like the vibe, you can just leave, right? Versus like if you're five hours away from home, that's a little trickier. But the 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 kicker was it wasn't just going to see John Mulaney, it was going to see John Mulaney in like a bar where he was testing material and I that I'm mm-hmm. haunted, haunted by saying no. <laughs> still i think that was the tour that i was testing material for new kid in town you mean you mean new in town 
With this new in town, new kid in gorgeous, town. and come, or excuse me, new in town, comeback kid, kid gorgeous. It was probably kid gorgeous. Was it? Was it? Kid was gorgeous. it the Catholic kid bit? Yeah. The bread the of God bit. is bread. He will bring us bread. Only one I from Jericho so. will bring bread. I know. If I start talking, <laughs> you're going to continue singing. I know that much about our friendship. Wait like, it out. Wait it out. I'm going wait to, it out. I'm going to wait it out. Tori needs to get all of this song out. I really want to do the rest of the bit, but uh, if we weren't recording, I would do the rest of the bit. But yeah, no, I was. Is it? Was it that? Mm-hmm. Was it that bit? The only joke that I really remember is the one where he talks about his uh, sitcom that he. Did. Oh, that material never. Did you talk never... about that one. Went in any specials. So maybe he tested it and never, yeah, seen anything about him that I don't. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Which is, I mean, it makes sense because it's talking about specific things in it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Well, he talks about, I think it was, he was doing something for like ESPN or something. And he was in the same room as, Michael Oof. Vick that hadn't happened yet. I think the story hadn't broke yet. I think about the dog weird findings. anyway. Right. And so John Mulaney gets a phone call from his agent that says like, congratulations, basically your sitcom is picked up and he was like, so excited. And then Michael Vick turns to him and he's like, this is going to be the best thing that ever happened to you. And he goes, now I th- see that as maybe an <laughs> omen. <laughs> A bad yeah. omen. And to for the people listening who don't yeah. know, the sitcom Mulaney was around for one season mm-hmm. and we all agree it's bad. Like even Mulaney is like, this was not right. great. Like it, it, I had a vision of what it would be and it was not that. Yeah, it was, it was not good. It was not good at all. But he comes out with really great material. Just watch the lunch. Sack Lunch Bunch. Sack, yeah. Sack so lunch I think, bunch. I mean, I love that story. Obviously I love John Mulaney and anything he does ever. And I think that it's a cool testament to like, you can do something, have it absolutely blow up in your face and still be good at what you mm-hmm. do. Right. You can try something, fail and still do other things, right? Your career's not over. Granted, he is a straight white man, which I think mm-hmm. helps a lot, but like, he did something, tried it, and it didn't work. And he's like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something else. I'm going to continue doing stand-up. I'm going to host the Independent Spirit Awards with Nick Kroll. I'm going twice. twice. I'm going to, yeah, have like a kid's special that I sell to Netflix. I'm going to do a podcast. So, yeah. Going to win, was it? They, won they did Tony's, not win right? Tony's, but it was like very celebrated when they were on Broadway, which is how I met John Mulaney, which was a big day. Was that the first time or the only time you've met? That was the only time. I had like a, I had a conniption. Oh, that's right. I'm really, I'm really, actually, I'm very proud of myself. When I'm in front of the person that I'm excited to see, I am excited, but I'm pretty, I'm good. Cause I'm like, I can't let them know I have no chill. And then as soon as they're gone, as soon as they walk down the street or as soon as they turn, I am literally bawling. Like immediately. Like this happened with Drake Bell. This happened with Army Hammer. This happened with John Mulaney, uh, and it will happen someday with Timothee Chalamet. So I'm really proud that at least in the moment, because I'm like, I, I can't have you see me as crazy. 
I have to go be crazy privately mm-hmm. after. I don't know whether I feel like I'm charismatic, but I like <laughs> to think that I am. And I bet like the celebrity is just kind of like, okay, who's that person mm, that mm. is giving oh, you really oh. weird eyes? <laughs> like, mm, who's she? That being said, I think I did say some pretty cool stuff to Andy Roddick. You did, did not. I tell you that's about such this? a that's such a deep cut, Andy Roddick. Yeah, that also just I guess shows the age difference. <laughs> he hadn't won uh, Wimbledon yet. And for those listening, he is a tennis player, and he's also married to Brooklyn Decker, which is. Honestly, mm-hmm. his greatest achievement. Right. Like, let's be honest. Like, marrying her. <laughs> Maybe like ten months later, he started dating Mandy Moore. From what I oh, saw, oh, I didn't him. know they dated. Yeah, when he won, was it Wimbledon or U.S. Open? But she was there, and they like kissed in the, oh, state, interesting. In the stands and stuff. But that's crazy. I uh, won a free trip to Paris I when I was fifteen this. years yes. old. Did she meet him mm-hmm. at a bar? So. If anybody's from the Houston area, there is a furniture salesman named Mattress Mac. And you might have also heard of him as well. Well, first, his tagline is gallery furniture saves you money. His whole thing is like, gallery furniture saves you money. Wow. And he does a lot of philanthropic work. He actually opens whenever there's like some natural disaster or for instance what was happening in texas like with the freeze he'd open up his his store and let anybody uh, sleep there and then he has a kitchen and then serves everybody food uh but one of the things that he did was he gave like 150 students high school students a free trip to paris to go see the davis cup and i won one of those trips and he rented out the hard rock paris and uh, I was dancing because I fucking can. Oh, yeah, can I say no, that? we're cursing all, all over on this podcast. Okay. The cast. So I was dancing. I was like in my head and I was like. It's like a TikTok beats. where it's like how and I think I look versus how I actually look. I'm a boy bam, in lightning bam. and thunder. Mm-hmm. I'm a girl that's going to make you wonder. Who you are and who you've been. That's exactly what happened. And all of a sudden this, this guy is in front of me and starts dancing and like rubs his butt on me. And I'm like, oh, I'm like, yeah, okay. Like I'm feeling it. And then he... Uh, leaves, turns his head, and it was Andy Roddick. And I was like, to a oh, 15 cool. Year old. Cool. Was dancing with Andy Roddick. And then uh, later on that night, as he was leaving, I got a picture with him and then whispered in his he- ear, I didn't know white guys could dance. And then he just laughed hysterically and left. I didn't know you were that smooth, Christine. Oh, my God. I am pretty smooth when I try to be and I have enough drinks in me except not when I was 15. Yeah no I uh I only think of the good lines like 10 minutes after like I actually (laughs) just run back like on the way like when I was passing army hammer to leave I like tapped him on the shoulder and was like say hi to Timmy for me like completely I was like "Ah, this is nonchalant and completely normal whatever like say hi to Timmy for me and I'm like ah I like turn and I'm like ah and then Chris Rock walked walked right past me did I ever tell you that yeah 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 he was like coming out of the theater after everybody had left and then you said tell Army to tell Timmy I said hi no i uh yeah i like was with two friends and i kept thinking this is this is gonna be honest i i was i felt so bad i knew he was in an animated movie 
I could not think of it. And I was like, oh my God, it's Mushu. And I was like, fuck, no, that's Eddie Murphy. And then I was like, oh my God, Donkey. And I was like, no, that's Eddie Murphy. (laughs) And it took me like walking three blocks in New York before I realized it was Madagascar that I was thinking. And I don't know what, Chris Rock's been in a lot of things, but in my head, it was just like kids movies. It was like, what kids movie do I know him from? Uh, Madagascar. Yeah. Any anamorphic. Zebra. Isn't he a zebra? I think so. Yeah. Why does nobody talk about the fact that like Zootopia is basically Madagascar? I still have not seen Zootopia, but I do feel like I have seen it. I I feel like I have seen it based on you would tell me. Yeah. Well, the trailer is just the perfect thing because it's the DMV scene. And when I, whenever I feel really sad, I watch that to cheer me. I never not laugh. It's so funny. Well, that's actually one of my questions was when you're feeling down, what do you do to cheer yourself up? Oh, that's a nice question. These last six months have been really hard, actually. And of course, you know this, but the listeners might not. On the outside, like our business has been killing it. Everything looks great. I've gone through a lot of personal growth and change in the last six months. I think everybody has in in the pandemic and in quarantine, but I had a really rough period in like October, November of last year of 2020. And yeah, I was always trying to find things to make me feel better because to be honest, I wasn't feeling so great for a good chunk of time. I think on a normal day, it's watching a Try Guys video. That's yeah, I still, I probably... Mm -hmm. If I'm like, ah, I'm not feeling great, I'll watch I'll watch a Try Guys video. They've like saved me in quarantine. I will just put on videos I've seen already like 12 times just in the background to like hear noise or to like hear voices. I only knew about the Try Guys through like Facebook will like throw oh, that video yeah. on, like throw yeah, yeah, Try yeah. Guys videos on me without <laughs> me asking for it. I don't know how I discovered them, but like, yeah, it was like two years ago and then I just binged every video they had and I was like, oh my God, these are really fantastic. And they're just fantastic, really strategic with how they run their business. And they've, the way they've like laid their business out is it's almost like breadcrumbs for me to follow in building my own business. But, um, try guys videos, uh, oceans 11 has been (laughs) go-to quarantine movie. I have watched oceans 11 probably seven or eight times during quarantine. I love oceans 11 so much. Mm -hmm. It's the perfect movie for me because it's not it's not heavy, but it's still really good. Who do you think you would play if you were in a Oh, heist? I'd want to be like, like a rusty Brad Pitt character. Wow. Like, I don't think I want to lead it because I don't want that like amount of responsibility or risk. But uh, I'd be like mm-hmm. the, the second person in charge. I think. I think, was it, he was the one that kind of organized the team. Like he was the... St- yeah, yeah, kind of. Movie. Yeah, which would Is make perfect right? sense. I would be like, oh, we need a Saul and we need you know, the Mormon brothers, <laughs> the Mormon twins, and we need Bernie Mac. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I probably... Need the I contortionist. Know. I was going to say, because they call it, they're like, hey, what was it? Like five foot Chinese man. Where are we going to get a five foot... Five foot man to put in the put in the thing. What what mm-hmm. would you what would you be in a heist? So this was actually one of the questions that I had. Then I started thinking about it, and I would love to be the hacker, oh, even yeah. though I don't know how to hack. Just because I want to be able to talk like hackers do in movies. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh yeah. Where they're like, no, I know exactly what you're talking. About. Oh, I'm gonna go in the front door. Oh, is that locked? I'm gonna just swing right. around the back. Oh, that's locked. But then. I'll lift up the mat and there's a key there. <laughs> Perfect. Heist over. You don't need me anymore. It's a heist. 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 
<laughs> They're like, Christine, you haven't hacked anything. You're just telling me how you get in. <laughs> You're just slapping your hands on a keyboard. You take your cat's paws, like a cat's <laughs> paws, and just go... <laughs> I'm just talking about how to get into a house. Yeah, you're you're Riley from National Treasure, who's the best character, bar none. Oh yeah. I feel like all like the characters that are like plays hackers are pretty fun. They're like always usually like the comedic Yeah, they're the com- they're the they're the comic relief. They're like nerdy, but like not too nerdy, right? They're like always nerdy enough, but they're still also like hot. Like Q, perfect example. Like, the new James Bond. Like, Hugh's super hot. But he's hot and the, like, pushes up glasses and, like, tells you about quantum mechanics oh. or quantum... Th- like, like I'll take a Q over Bond every single day, to be honest. Like, we all think we want James Bond, but, like, he is a terrible human being. And would not be a boyfriend. Oh, yeah. Oh, hands down. That's 100% my type. That's my type. That's my that sounds great. <laughs> I actually have... Well, it's so funny that we just keep on, like, hitting these questions that I, like, ask. This actually kind of talking about quarantine leads into this, which was uh, what's one of the biggest lessons you learned in quarantine. Oh God. Mm -hmm. And then second part, the biggest thing that you learned about yourself. You know, you know, this question's going to make me cry and I feel like you did it on purpose, but that's okay. I learned how resilient I am. And I think I, I knew that, but not to the full extent. And I also learned self-reliance and not in the like independent. I don't need anybody fuck you way but just like I am really good at taking care of other people and this year has been really focused on trying to make sure I take care of myself too yeah this year's been hard obviously for everybody and yeah it's it's been interesting for me because I've had obviously these very public successes which has been fantastic and you know exactly what I dreamed about and wanted And it's also, I've tried to figure out, you know, how much to share now that I do have, you know, the amount of people in the community that I do. And so a lot of, a lot of stuff that happens, you know, is stuff I'm not going to talk about because it's, it's something that's private to me and something that I'm working through. But it's just, it's a really good reminder to everybody that, you know, a lot of what you're seeing publicly, it's not like, I'm not making shit up. Like, I'm so excited to be, you know, achieving these milestones. And I'm so excited to be growing the team and I'm so excited to do all these things. And also like, it's been a hard year. Personally, it's been a really hard year. I'm so proud of you, especially business aside. But personally, one of the things I've been thinking about you a lot, especially when we first went into quarantine and being like, oh man, that it's gotta be so hard. Um, to be living by yourself, especially someone like you, who's such like a people person, <laughs> yeah. and will always be like, "All right, Christine, like, when am I going to see you next?" Like, as, as I'm leaving, you're like, yeah. "Okay, great." Well, when I think am I that that's next? that's the interesting thing about quarantine, right? Is like, I am so thankful to live alone that I don't like. I love my parents very, very dearly, but I think we could all say, my parents and I, that like, if I lived with my parents. Oh God. Like, like, so there's a lot of people who are living with their families and that's great for a lot of reasons and also terrible for a lot of reasons. Right. I love living alone. Like it's great. It's fantastic. It's also Mm -hmm. uh, very lonely, especially in quarantine. It's been very lonely. And then just a lot of processing of, you know, just accepting things that happen that don't make sense, (laughs) you know, and um, Mm -hmm. I am very good at building the life that I want. 
I'm very good at it. I'm very good at saying like, okay, I want this thing. Here is the path I need to take in order to get it. Like I give an example of like being on Good Morning America, right? It's it's like, okay, I will pitch this person and I will connect with this person and I'll set myself up in this way that eventually that can be a reality. And it was, but there's bigger things in life, especially relationships and just, you know, the forest from the trees is like zooming way out things that you really don't have any control over and that you can't strategically plan for, you know, and that actually if you strategically plan for them or try to control them or try to make them happen when it's maybe not the right time for them to happen, it makes it so much worse. And that's been a really hard lesson to learn. And it's something that I'm still processing and working through of like, how, how do I balance, you know, going out and getting what I want Versus understanding that there's some things I can't, I just have to wait for, you know, I just have to, I have to strengthen myself and allow myself to be that the best I can be for when those opportunities do come, but I can't chase them, you know, and I can't want them really badly. I mean, you can want them, but (laughs) just, yeah, it's the, it's the realization that I think a lot of times we think we know what's best for us. We think we know what's best for ourselves. Mm -hmm. And you have to be open to the possibility that what you think you want is not actually what's supposed to happen. And even if that feels so shitty in the moment, and even if that feels like you're derailed or like, yeah, it's, it's trusting as woo woo as the sounds, the universe is going to work out and that things are going to work out the way it's supposed to, even if that feels really shitty. Mm -hmm. And we're learning that in the pandemic, right? Like nobody planned for this. Nobody planned for this. Nobody wanted this. But I hope that when we get out, there's there's so much that we've learned and that we take into life, that we learn to slow down, that we learn to, you know, support each other, support our black and brown neighbors and people of color, that we learn to, that seeing our best friends and seeing our partners and seeing our family is something that we shouldn't take for granted. I just saw, yeah, we're recording this after I, I hit a million followers on TikTok, which is super exciting. This was a couple couple days ago, earlier this week. And I got to see my friend Karina, who I have not seen in a year and a half. We have, we have like virtual book club together. You know, we FaceTime. I've, I've talked to her, but like, I haven't seen her in literally years and not by choice, right? It's because of pandemic and just like getting to hug her, getting to like go outside and eat together. Like it's something we take for granted all of the time. You know, just like meeting a friend for a coffee or mm-hmm. being able to go on a walk without a mask or, you know, I just hope that we Sorry. we come out of this. And I hope for myself too. It's it's so hard to be in an uncomfortable place because you just want to get out of it. Right? You just want to get out of it. Mm-hmm. I'm now, I think I'm doing a variation of the dad's monologue from calling by your name. But like his whole thing, right? Is he's like, don't <laughs> muscle through it. Like don't, don't force yourself to not feel or force yourself out of the uncomfortability because you're supposed to be there. And so like in October, November, yeah. where I really wasn't doing well, I would have given anything to feel like myself. Yeah, I I didn't know why I was so depressed and why I was so anxious and why I was so deeply sad. And I wanted out of it so badly and was trying to fix it. And what was so important for me is I needed to sit in it. I needed to be in that because now I can look back and be like, okay, I will get out of it because this will happen again. And what felt like something Mm -hmm. that I would never get out of, I got out of, you know, and I learned a lot from the experience and had to process a lot of stuff. And so don't, you know, don't feel 
when you're uncomfortable and when things are shitty, you know, that you, you know, just have to rush through them in order to feel better. Cause that's not how you actually feel better. I saw this on like the New York Times Instagram, but I'm quoting somebody that's basically saying this, this time made me realize like how human oh. we all are for good and yeah. bad and realizing that we can't do any more than what humans yeah. are capable well, of doing. And, and that makes me think, so you and I, friend room 2020 was supposed to be Australia and New Zealand and it ended up being uh, a national park road trip because for obvious reasons we couldn't travel, which was a great compromise. It was a beautiful trip. And the first day, this is really going to make me cry, but the first day, this is my favorite memory of last year. First day we're driving and we're like on day or like hour eight or nine of driving that day. The sun is setting and we're in Montana. We're in the middle of nowhere, Montana. And the river is flowing next to us. And the sun is like, it's full on golden hour. And the song comes on that always has made me kind of emotional, but hit really different at that moment. I remember grabbing your hand and I just started started crying. And that was the other great thing is you didn't ask me why. You didn't ask if I was okay. You just knew that I had to sit there and cry for a while. I think you did ask, you're like, do you want me to drive? And I'm like, no, I'm good. I still am fully aware that... We're in a moving and I'm bawling my eyes out, potentially not being able to see the road. But I was just, I remember thinking that I felt completely alive in that moment. And I have had those moments before, like, especially in college, like a very like perks of being a wallflower thing where you're like driving through a tunnel and you're like blasting music and you feel so alive. You like feel untouchable. I've had feeling alive moments like that. I have never had a feeling alive moment like the one in Montana because I felt everything. And that's how I knew I was alive. Mm -hmm. I felt so joyful and also so deeply sad. I felt so optimistic and yet also so pessimistic. Like it was the full duality of being human. And I was just, as again, as cheesy Mm -hmm. as it sounds, I just sat there in this moment and I'm like, oh, I know I'm alive because of how deeply I feel all of these things. And what a Mm -hmm. gift that we can feel pain and joy and depression and sadness and frustration and also beauty and love and hope and all of those things too. So that was my favorite moment of last year. Cause it was, it was, Oh, we are human. Like we, I am alive. I am human. And I know I'm alive. I know I'm human but bec- because of this human experience of feeling so shitty and also so great at the right. same time. Also, to put into context of when that was, Seattle and all of like the Pacific Northwest had just gone through uh, really intense yeah. wildfires. We forget about so that. That like happened too. Breathe. We couldn't breathe. We couldn't go outside. The sky looked like an apocalypse. I think we had talked about like if somebody were to come out of a coma and just to step outside to see everybody like in masks, even inside in masks. Yeah. Like what just happened? What year is this? And yeah, it was like deep red. And so when we went to Montana, it was like the first time we could just step outside and breathe. Yeah. And it was, I mean, it was like the smell of pine and you could smell the water and it was beautiful normally, but it was also like, yeah, just taking for granted breathing, breathing fresh air, like, and especially without a mask and without smoke and without, yeah. I feel like breathe is the word of the past year. 
and how much we appreciate that. Well, and when you're in the present moment, right, that's all, that's all you can do. That's all you have control over is just how you're existing in that moment. You don't have control over anything else. You don't have control over things people say to you or things people do to you or situations that happen to you, but you do have control over how you show up to them. And that's the big thing I realized to encompass 25 minutes into one TLDR. That is the thing I realized is it's like, rather than doing the work, trying to control things, I'd rather do the work on myself to give myself all of the tools I need for handling things that come up that I can't control and like reframing it. Because I spend a lot of my time anxiously trying to plan or control or protect myself when what I can do is create good habits, create good, you know, create a good mindset to handle whatever happens rather than trying to control it because you won't be able to control it. Another thing when I think about breathing is the other day, I just like let out a really big (laughs) sigh and then Mary's like, oh, is everything okay? And I go, I'm just realizing how often I forget to breathe. And as soon as I do that, I always notice that my shoulders are up to my ears. Do you meditate at all? We've never really talked about it. No, but I definitely know that that's something that I need to be more conscious about. Oh, something that I had meant wanted to bring up was I had a dream about you last night. It's it's not very long, that, the part that I remember, but um, there were two pianos next to each other and you were playing on both of them. And, and then you like went behind your back and played it behind your back <laughs> it's like I'm like okay Tori now you're showing off and then dream me is hot how can I become dream me my god and then uh a doctor comes up to us and gives us the COVID vaccine even better cool. but in like a catholic wafer form so <laughs> the COVID vaccine in your mouth. Oh, I like that better. That feels honestly much more natural as a, as a Catholic for so, so long. Mm-hmm. I was like, after. <laughs> I like woke up and I was like, this feels so <laughs> playing two pianos and also a Catholic reference. Sure. Yeah. And Thank I was like, later. Oh, it's probably because I've been thinking about this podcasting and probably. what I'd be asking you. Did it's you know also you're really- supposed to you're supposed to accept communion in a very specific way? Did you know this? No. If you're Catholic, you know mm-hmm. that depending on what hand, like if you're left-handed or right-handed, the hand that your your dominant hand goes under your other hand. So for me, I write. I'm I'm right hand dominant. So my right hand goes under my left hand. Then you go up to the priest. The priest puts the communion on your non-dominant hand. And then you take your dominant hand out and pick it up and then put it in your mouth. It's like a very strategic thing. Like you can't just like, you could go up with one hand, but like that doesn't really make sense. I guess some people do it, but like when they teach you, when you're getting first communion, like it is Mm -hmm. dominant hand down. So you can come around basically and pick up the communion, put it in your mouth and then bless yourself with your dominant hand. And then somebody who's ambidextrous is like, ah, ah, I know. Ah, well, and actually I lied because bless yourself. This is a fun thing about Catholicism too, that technically, even if you are left-handed, you are not allowed to bless yourself with your left hand. And one of my best friends who I've known forever growing up, 
is left-handed. And I've actually never told her this, but it would really always bother me, especially as a kid, when she blessed herself with her left hand. Because <laughs> like, I got it grilled into me that you only mm-hmm. bless yourself with your right hand, even if you are left-hand dominant. You always bless yourself with your right hand. Always, always, always. Maybe they've gotten rid of it. Maybe it's an archaic rule too. But I was taught that you bless yourself always with your right hand. Well, isn't there that saying where it's like, right hand of the Father Almighty? Right. Something like that. Seated at the right hand of the Father. Yeah. Right. Right. Maybe. Maybe that's it. I went to a church where these old women would bake bread and that's what we would, that's what we would use. And they would just pass platters of bread to everybody. So it was like really good. I was like, that's great. That's very sweet. I've heard of that happening. There's also some churches that I've been to that they get wine from the community. So like you bring in a bottle of wine and that, you know, they bless it obviously. But um, so like sometimes you just get it like a different wine or like, you know, somebody who's like a winemaker would come and bring their bottle of wine. And, and then it was always trying to figure out is the wine today red wine or white wine? That was always an interesting. They, they serve white wine, but that's, I guess I always thought it would be red because that's what it's supposed to represent. The color of blood? The yeah. Blood. No, there was sometimes, it was like, at least the couple churches I went to growing up, it was like, I don't think it was full. It wasn't like Chardonnay white. It was like a deeper, maybe it wasn't white wine and it was like a, like, because it definitely wasn't red, but it was kind of like a almost yellow. Oh. Like it was like a deep, deep, deep kind of white color. I was going to say rosé. I don't know what kind of wine that would be. <laughs> no, because it wasn't pink. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. And again, like I'm like 12, so I couldn't tell you what wine it was. But And then when I when I got my first communion, I remember, yeah, we were in second grade and we were all so worried about what the wine would taste like. Like that was the big drama mm-hmm. of like, would we like the wine? Because you had to get wine on your first go even if you didn't like it. You don't have to get wine ever again if you don't want to. That's a fun a fun Catholic fact. Fun Catholic fact. Right. Like, you don't have to drink the wine in communion if you don't want to ever again. Mm-hmm. Like, my mom wouldn't take the wine. My dad and I would growing up, as, as I was growing up. Um, but on your first communion, you have to take the wine. Oh, my God. And then you're like, cheers, sweetie. Yeah. <laughs> cheers, sweetie. <laughs> your second-year-old self. Yeah, exactly. No, I remember liking it. I remember like taking, cause I took like the tiniest little sip possible. And I was like, oh, I want more. I was like, that is good. I would like more, please. <laughs> I need to call up my girlfriends and we got to go out for drinks. I'll call my, gr- yeah, second grade, seven-year-old. Mm-hmm. Hey, what are you doing later this evening, bitch? <laughs> Ew. Um, oh, me and my little like white communion dress. <sighs> my little veil. Oh my yeah. God. Um, I guess the next thing was going to ask you a bunch of questions and you're going to try and answer relatively quickly. Are we doing rapid fire? Oh my gosh. You've like planned for this. I'm very flattered. All right. I'm ready. What scares you? Eels and death. What's your favorite food? Fried chicken. What's your favorite meal that you ever had? A pork tenderloin in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. What are you most proud of? That's, that's interesting because I am super proud of my business. I'm super proud of everything I've accomplished. That's my first question right off the bat. And then I think to myself, I'm like, no, you want to be more than your business. I'm really proud of the person I am and the person I'm becoming. Cheesy as I fucking say. That's really what I'm proud of. My business is part of that. My confidence is part of that. My friendships are part of that. But yeah, I think ultimately it's like, I'm really proud of, like, I feel like if eight-year-old, speaking of like seven, eight-year-old me, she would have met me today. She, she 
be pretty obsessed, which is always the goal. So I mean, as being your friend and seeing your growth from literally when you came up to me and was like, I have this idea for a blog. (laughs) And I'm like, four years later, you're like, cool. Great, Mm -hmm. hon. Go do that. Mm -hmm. When you had like 2000 followers on Instagram. No, not even. Maybe like 600 at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy, and then, crazy, crazy, crazy. Um, and back then, I think it was like Victor- Victory Media. Victory Media, baby. Mm-hmm. If anybody's here from the Victory Media days, thanks for being here, team. Yeah. A long time ago. And we take pictures uh, when we went. <laughs> and we would literally uh, grab ice cream every day, I think. Well, in the summer, yeah. It'd be like every other day. Because, yeah, where Christine and I worked, it was like a block from Pike Place Market. So we'd walk up to Pike Place Market like every day either to just grab lunch or to like go on a walk. And that's one thing I wish people knew about Seattle is yes, Pike Place Market is touristy, but like I hang out in Pike Place Market still. Like I love Pike Place Market. Yeah. It's lovely. It's really cute. Uh, a lot of really good restaurants. And I would say the restaurants yeah. and the food stalls that are not the huge touristy ones, but the ones that you have to like go and find pasta casalinga baby the best women owned they're this amazing pasta place in pipe post market again i'll link them in the show notes if you're in seattle or you're visiting that's where you want to get pasta it's so good mm-hmm. they make handmade pasta for like i don't know 12 14 bucks a dish so good yeah. and when i think we were there i think it was like about 10 bucks but that was four yeah. years ago what makes you feel the most confident honestly probably doing bar or like getting out of bar and being like, I just fucking did that. Although I'm like sweaty and I look like a rat. But like I was telling, actually I was talking on a live about this last night about my like relationship with fitness and my body. Because for a really long time, I thought like working out is supposed to make you skinny. Like that's it. Working out is supposed to make you lose weight. is supposed to, you know, make you skinny. It's not for mental health. It's not for strength. You know, and I think we're told this as women of like, you work out in order to like maintain your figure or in order to, you know, be the person that society expects you to be from, you know, a body standpoint. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean, again, not, it's not sponsored in any way, but like bar three, like it's changed, honestly changed my life, but definitely changed the way I view working out. I work out now to be stronger. I work out for my mental health. I work out, you know, because I like it. Like I was never that person who like craved workouts. And I'd hear somebody say that and I'm like, you're obnoxious and I hate you. Like, I don't want to hear you tell me like, oh, I crave sweating. And like, oh, I really want to work. Like, I was like, I'm not that person. I crave sitting on a couch. Like that's what I like <laughs> to do. And like, I was active. Like I, you know, walk and I, you know, do like a Zumba class every now and then. But like, I was not actively working out. Before pre-COVID, that was one of my favorite like weekly routines that we would do. At least once or twice. Yeah, we do bar a lot together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think obviously not necessarily like the class, like feeling confident in the class itself, although sometimes I feel that way. It's more like how that has helped my confidence overall is just, you know, like I remember like now being able to, you know, go to class and know all of the positions that they're going to ask me to be in, you know, or mm-hmm. like knowing when a certain song comes on, it's probably going to be this certain thing that we're doing or activity and knowing like my body can handle it. And then also having the the foresight or the awareness to know when my body doesn't want to do that. Like when it's like, no, I don't, I don't, I don't feel, not only I don't feel like, but like, this doesn't feel good. I would not like to do this. And then actually listening rather than doing the like push hustle. It doesn't matter. Like pain is gain. It's like, no, I don't want to feel in pain. I, I'm okay with like, 
you know, growth, I'm okay with uncomfortability. That's how, that's how your body changes. But like actual pain is not what you want. Yeah. So, yeah. And I don't think people maybe focus. I think actually it's starting to shift where people are realizing right. how important it is to really listen to your body, especially if you are uh, dealing with pain. But last question is, um, what's the name of the lipstick that you use? That's your <laughs> quintessential lipstick, which everybody asked me about that i'm wearing like basically your lipstick color um, oh it's almost like you planned it boom you can't really see it but i oh and i almost am too i'm it's more purple but (laughs) i got sweats on you actually dressed up for this and i'm in fucking oh no these are sweats these are sweats oh are they you look great you like put on makeup and shit it is it is a sephora lip stain not just you can buy it at Sephora, but it's actually the Sephora color. It's called Blackberry Sorbet. I bought it on a whim, loved it, and then built an entire brand around it. <laughs> Which, in hindsight, one of my smartest decisions because now, no matter what I'm wearing, as long as I'm wearing the lipstick, it looks on brand. Mm-hmm. So, like, no matter what photo I post on Instagram, no matter like what photo is on my website, no matter what colors I'm wearing, it still looks cohesive because that color is in the shot. So I'm really proud of that decision. And actually on the big, and you know this, but on one of the big life dream goals is I want that lipstick shade named after her first 100K. Like I want it named 100K or her first 100K. Or if they can't give me that exact shade, give me like the slightest difference mm-hmm. and then call it 100K. Like I want I want a co-branded lipstick with Sephora. Hey, Sephora. <laughs> I know. Hey, Sephora, if you're, so if you're listening and you are, you are influential at Sephora, hit me up. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's kind of the, 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 on the big, the big vision board. Yeah. But someday, hopefully. What, what so, is on yeah. your vision board? That, uh, a TV show. Mm-hmm. I want a TV show. Um, I want. Like the Try Guys or like. Kind of. I mean, the Try Guys are doing like without a recipe as a TV show. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously that's not a format that I would do. I don't think I'd sell a show to Food Network. But um, I mean, maybe I do love the Food Network, Guy Fieri. Hello, love of my life. I think I think it would be almost like hopefully, hopefully, I can announce the book by the time we we are live. But basically, if my book was a TV show of like, let's talk about all of these different issues, and then let's let's give you actionable advice around how you can how you can pay off debt, how you can start investing, kind of like a documentary, but also a kind of more reality show. Uh, Maybe it's like a makeover show too, where I'm going into people's homes and I am helping them better their money. Mm. Like maybe there's that too. So I have a couple different ideas with that. I also want to uh, sell a uh, friend moon branded trip to travel and leisure or Conde Nast travel or somebody that's big in the space that literally we just can write about friend moon. I mean, at least for one year, but I have to do it every year. Copyright pending. Well, I think, I think the thing is, and you and I didn't really even talk about this today, but like society is so focused on traveling with your significant other mm-hmm. all the time. Like, you know, there's, there's like Instagram accounts that have millions, if not like hundreds of thousands of followers that are focused on like that quintessential, you know, like skinny blonde girl being held up by her super hot ripped, you know, fiance or husband or partner. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I've internalized that in a lot of ways. And I think a lot of people have that, like, I cannot travel 
either by myself or I can't travel with somebody other than my partner. And of course that leaves out people who either don't have partners or like traveling with other people. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I think one of the things that I just love that we fucking do is that no matter who we're dating, no matter if we're dating anybody, we are going on these trips together. And honestly, I have a better time. (laughs) It's, it's the best. And I just wish we, that was more accepted to travel with, your girlfriends, especially from a safety standpoint, because I, I get asked that all the time. Like, do you feel unsafe traveling together? And like, I can count on one hand, really like two fingers, the time we've ever felt vaguely unsafe mm-hmm. while we've been traveling. And it's also, I just wish that there was more discussion about it. Mm-hmm. And I really want travel and leisure for us to like pay us to do like a fucking like huge article or series about traveling with your best friend because that's something that's so underrated yeah and totally not tapped I don't think people realize like when you think even like excursions or things like that it's like very much focused I think on like a couple standpoint or like deals right hotel deals will be for romantic couples or or and and if we they do cater to friends it's only for bachelorette parties Mm -hmm. which is in service to a wedding Right. right and we talk more about solo travel which I think is so important too like I I do love traveling by myself and I'm starting to do more and more of that. And I think that that has seen an uptick because people aren't willing to, you know, wait for somebody else, which I love, but there's still this gap between like either travel with a partner, you can travel by yourself. Yay. But like, there's, there's hardly ever discussion. Truly. I think about like going on international trips, traveling with your best girlfriend and having the kind of experiences you would have with a partner, but with your best friend. Right. And I think that's something that I've like learned a lot as I get older is all of these things that society tells you that this is the thing that you have to do. You, you don't have to do that. Like, or no. whatever's being marketed to you. You don't have to do that. <laughs> Christine and I joke a lot that we're just going to like buy a house together mm-hmm. and then just like, I don't know, have like separate quarters in the house or stuff. Like we joke about that all the time. And part of it's not really a joke. I'm like, do we just, do we actually buy a house? I don't well, know. We like, will send each other post that's also oh yeah oh that's another we have not talked about that (laughs) that's also another thing that we do (laughs) during quarantine to make ourselves feel better is we will go on zillow christine sent me my my now dream home which is this beautiful house in new orleans that sold in december i look at the redfin listing of this house at least once a week it is on speaking of vision board it like a photo of this house is on my vision. Oh, really? Like I love this house more than certain dead relatives of mine. Like so, so, so much. <laughs> and yeah, no, that's what, G- and we also G chat during the day. Mm-hmm. That's the other thing that people don't realize because G chat was like, so that was the way everybody communicated when we were at our first company. Do you guys still largely communicate through G chat? Yeah. That's still a thing. Yeah. That's pretty much. Yeah. So, which is weird. Cause like, I think a lot of companies have moved to Slack and everything, but it's still, it was like G chat. So I know that she will be on her email during the day. And I don't think we, we've kind of gotten away from it a little bit in quarantine that you work from home, but like we, we G-chat each other during the day. <laughs> like, like when we're at work and at our desk, it's like G-chatting each like other. Like Zillow or Airbnbs that we want to stay in. Oh yeah. And that's the other thing about traveling is people ask like, how do you find these places? We either like find like tags on Instagram like we follow all of these travel accounts and then we will save them and look at like photos that people have taken in those locations or we just like scour Airbnb. That is a hobby of mine. Mm-hmm. I have hundreds and hundreds of Airbnb saved 
to travel to when all this shit is over. Yeah. Like I have them grouped by trip, by potential trip. And yeah, that's a hobby of ours now. That's another thing I'm really proud of us is that we focus on what's really important, but also too, I think in the scheme of things, like we have a budget and we're reasonable. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people are thinking that like traveling is just only for wealthy people or whatever, but we really prioritize it. Well, we, I mean, I wrote a business insider article about it. We went to Italy, friend moon, 2019, patent pending, patent pending, patent pending, pending. We're going to sell actual products. Yeah. Friend moon patent pending 2019 uh, was Italy. And I wrote an article for business insider. We did that trip for under $2,000 each, which sounds like a lot, but like going to Italy for 10 days for under 2k mm-hmm. and we got to do a bunch of shit like yeah. we went that was a pretty great trip on a catamaran to capri, to capri. we yeah went and did a tour of a, a farm where afterwards they just gave us a huge platter of like mozzarella and burrata and that was the best day of my life. Like not, ex- not an exaggeration. Mm-hmm. That was, that was top three days of my life. Bar none. Yeah. So good. Yeah. And then we like had this like three hour dinner in Positano that was like eight courses. And that was probably what, $200 a piece, 150. We split a bottle of wine too. Mm-hmm. And then that's when, uh, Sufjan Stevens, uh, mystery of love played. <laughs> If you want to live vicariously through us, both of us have Friend Moon 19 story highlights on our Instagram and you can see the exact moment we're talking about. It is the best moment. It's so fun. It's, yeah. And uh, yeah, like I think the key for us has been finding good flight deals. Like that is how we've been able to travel on a budget and so cheap is we're not worried about going during peak season. Like we actually didn't have the best weather in Italy Mm -hmm. because we went in early October but like it was, it was worth it because we got a flight for like less than five hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. And if we would have gone to the trip to Australia round trip, we would have. Spent oh, I, I, we were talking about this the other day, and it pained me because I didn't realize how cheap we had gotten it. But you're exactly right. Yeah, round trip tickets for five hundred dollars, basically. And we could have done it for just sixty thousand points, but we decided yeah. to. It was like thirty thousand miles plus five hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. You're lucky if you find a flight like under what, $1,500 to Australia? We got very, very lucky. And then, of course, we didn't get to go on the fucking trip. <sighs> like, I saved my points for that. I've been saving my points for years for Australia and New Zealand. Yeah, well, hopefully they'll have it again soon. Um, which is funny when you're talking about safety because a memory just popped up of our trip in Montana. It's so funny. We've traveled internationally, but I think the most time yeah. where I've been scared is in boondocks of Montana, Wyoming. And honestly, I don't want to tell the story because I feel like it's going to freak people out. In retrospect, it was probably just fine. We ended up having somebody and we felt like they were following us on, well, where we were driving and we didn't have cell service Mm -hmm. and we didn't have like any weapons on us. We're not driving with guns or knives. We had to like get... We had bear mace, which honestly was probably a better weapon because you could use it from further away. But yeah, that was the first time I think either of us, and that was friend moon. That was the third friend moon. So I think that was the first time you and I have ever honestly felt nervous about our safety. But I think we are really good about paying attention to those things and our intuition and knowing how to 
Yeah. And sticking together and Mm -hmm. taking one for the team when we have to take one for the team. (laughs) (laughs) Are we we going to tell that Uh story? You can tell that story. It's fine. Okay. I don't care. So Fenman 2019, (laughs) uh, we didn't even just go to Italy. We also um, were in London for a few days. So Tori, throughout the trip, jokingly said, oh, I'm going to make out with somebody. Oh, I'm going to make out with like a hot Italian guy. I'm going to make out with like a British guy or something like that. And I'm like hearing this and I'm like, well, if it doesn't happen, we're just going to, we're going to make it happen in some way. Uh, So the last night um, we actually had a flight at like something like six in the morning, 6.30 or something in the morning. So we had the brilliant idea of just staying up all night until our flight. And so then we can sleep on on the plane right back. And we had just gone to see Waitress or Matilda. I think it was Matilda. And uh, after that, she's like, oh, we should just like go back and, and go to sleep. And I'm like, oh, I'm hungry. Like, let's go get Indian food. We haven't gotten Indian food yet. And she was like, oh, okay. And then after that, we were walking by like a pub. I'm like, oh, we got to go to a pub. And so they um, like, let's go in for one drink. So we went into this pub and they were singing the Beatles. Hey Jude. Huh? Hey Jude. Yeah, they were singing Hey Jude. And so we're just drinking a beer and uh, singing Hey Jude. And then after that, we went to the bar across the street yeah because that bar shut down which made no sense it was like 10 o'clock at night and they're like we're closing and i'm like where are we what is you're closing at 10 this is when it's supposed to get started uh i know so we went to the bar next to us and had a few drinks and then this guy started talking to me who was pretty tipsy he was pretty drunk but he was there with a friend this irish guy who was sober I'm like, oh, he's Irish. <laughs> Tori gonna like him. <laughs> so they made like eye contact like across from the bar. Yeah. And so I was like, all right, I'm taking it for the team and chatted with this. Get yourself a friend like Christine, everybody. If you do not have a best friend who is willing to talk to a tipsy guy for an hour who already has a boyfriend who is not interested in this person at all, Mm -hmm. but just has to keep him entertained so that her best friend can go make out with this Irish man she just met in a bar. Like, you need a friend like that. (laughs) You need a friend like that. I was like, all right, cool. They're... I'm like, oh, they're starting to to make out a bit. <laughs> oh, they're making <laughs> out a bit. <laughs> when you say it like that, it sounds absolutely disgusting. But uh, like in my head, I'm like, yes. <laughs> well, the plan was an Italian guy because Italian guys are really hot. And then it was always kind of a joke. Like it wasn't like I was seeking this out. It was like, oh, that would be, that would be a fun experience. LOL. Mm-hmm. And then last night we're in Europe. No, literally, I don't know if you remember this. The guy who's obviously, his name was Sean because he's Irish. Mm-hmm. He literally made eye contact with me and literally like made a come hither like motion with his hand. And I was like, R.I.P. me. Like, oh, yeah. oh boy. <laughs> and then we were riding a double-decker bus at 3.30 back to our Airbnb. And we had to get up at 6.30 to be back, on, to get on a plane. 
And yes, the experience was great, but I was so angry at you. I know. And I'm like, so mad at you because we got up and I had not slept. And you might not know this about me if you don't know me, but I am a demon without sleep. Like I'm not fun to be around. I just don't function. And so three hours of sleep later, I got up and I was so tired. And I was like, why did we do that? Like, why? And I, we had to like take the subway and then take a train to get to the airport. And I normally don't sleep on flights. I just can't sleep on flights. And it was a nonstop back to Seattle. And I slept for six out of the eight hours. And it was a great choice in high school. <laughs> it was a fantastic <laughs> choice. It was like, get her exhausted. I have like two, three hours of sleep. Wake up, go on a plane. But then you get to sleep the whole way home. Mm-hmm. And then just woke up had breakfast or lunch or something, and then we landed. Or the video of you getting licked by the cow and then us having to lie to customs on the way back. Mm. And it was like we both knew, because we were getting questions separately, we both were like, you didn't say... We were were telepathically (laughs) telling each other, do not answer yes. Because literally it was like six questions. First question is like, are you bringing more than $10,000 of currency in? And we're like, no. And the second question was like, oh, do you have like weapons, like guns, whatever? And we're like, no. And the third question, I don't remember. It was like something ridiculous. So they're probably like, are you bringing a human being that (laughs) didn't come? No. And then the last three questions were like, have you been to a farm or agricultural site? (laughs) And we were like, no. <laughs> and then the, the fifth one was like, are you transporting goods from a farm or agricultural site like dairy products? And we're like, you mean the block of cheese in Christine's suitcase? No. no. And then the final one was like, did you touch any livestock? And we're like, you mean the video that we posted of us petting cows and donkeys and getting licked by them? No. no. <laughs> and then we were on our way out and I just like, cause I met up with her and then we were just dragging our suitcases and we like, didn't say anything for like the first 30 seconds out of customs. And I go, I think you turned to me and you're like, you said no. Right. And I was like, Oh yeah. Thank God. I didn't say no. I didn't say anything. Uh, it's so funny because we're like, if they just followed us on Instagram, it would have been. Oh, they knew everything. <laughs> they would know everything. Seen us like buying cheese and touching cows and going to a farm, mm-hmm. agricultural, yeah, location. Yeah, I've never lied ever, ever. <laughs> I know this, I and you. I love you. <laughs> Uh, let's see. I, oh, there's a question that, that Mary actually suggested. Um, she said, what was your first purchase that you felt like, oh, this is really luxurious. And then second, what was a purchase that you were like, you felt that way, but it was totally worth it. Be like, oh, this is a really good. The most recent one I can think of is my $350 washable silk robe. Mm. Sipping wine in a robe. Like, it's very, uh, yeah, I feel very fancy in it. Mm-hmm. And it's something about knowing, like, it's really well made and also knowing I paid a lot of money for it makes me feel more fancy. I'm trying to think if there's anything before that. And this is something that Tori's been wanting for a while. Like, we were in yeah. Italy, so it's 2019, and we, she was like, oh, I think we should get, like, lingerie or something. Or robes, or robes, yeah, like yeah. silk robes, yeah. And um, so we go into this, sh- oh God. this like hole in the wall shop, and we're like, oh, we we should be able to find something like 
reasonable. And everything was like $500 and up or something. Oh, 700, 800. Some of these, like, it was like a silk camisole Mm -hmm. for like $220. And I was like, fuck no. Maybe even more than that. I'm trying to remember. I remember seeing a couple thousand dollar things that should not have been a thousand dollars. And I was like, no, no way, Jose. So yeah, that's a good reminder is like, yeah, I spent $350 on this thing, but I've wanted it for literally years. And it's also something that will last me for a long time. And it's literally for you. But I'm trying to think if there's anything else. I mean, I'm only, I grew up really frugal. I'm still pretty frugal. So I have to like teach myself to spend money. (laughs) Like I have to, I have to still... Like even that robe was like, oh my God, you're just spending 350 on a robe. And it's like, well, yeah, you've wanted it for a really long time. And you're like, yeah, but you're spending 350 on a robe. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you will live in that robe. You know, it's like two sides, like left brain, right brain of like, you're going to do this. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. Really? That's a lot of money. So yeah, I would say probably <laughs> silk robes. Good example. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of our travel, like a lot of our travel, even if we are doing it on a budget, it often feels very luxurious, which is fun. Yeah, and something that we'll have a conversation too is I I don't make as much as Tori does. And so this is going to be like a new thing that we're going to have to, yeah. to confront about like my budget still hasn't really changed from yeah. maybe what Tori well, you is, and I you know? have not gone on an You and I have not gone on an international trip that since really I started making more money. Mm-hmm. So, so, and that's the other thing as we talk about money, I mean, it's kind of a prerequisite to being friends with me, but like we talk about money quite a lot. And it's like, this is a conversation we have before trips of like, what are we willing to spend? Who's going to spend money on what thing? And how is that going to work in our budget? I'm really fortunate. Sometimes I I feel like, um, did you ever watch the movie Sabrina? The Teenage Witch? <laughs> no, there was uh, Sabrina. You're talking Audrey Hepburn. There was the Audrey Hepburn one. Um, and then they yeah. also did a remake with like Harrison Ford. Actually, I think I watched it in Ireland with Aaron. I think that was a that was an Aaron special. He's like, we have to watch Sabrina. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, do you remember Audrey Hepburn's dad or Sabrina's dad is the butler for a wealthy family? And it turns yes. out um, at the end of the movie, he's like, I'm actually worth millions. And they're like, what? And he goes, yeah, um, being a butler, I could hear all of like the business conversations about like when to buy, when to sell. And I, and I bought and sold when they did. And so I made a lot of money. Um, so I feel like I'm very fortunate being best friends with you that we have these conversations openly and it definitely made me, uh, prioritize and realize like what I think more specifically, like I've. I grew up being told like, yeah, you need to save, you save for retirement, but nothing specific. It was just like very broad conversations. So um, I'm very fortunate in that. And um, it allows me a lot of freedom that I normally wouldn't have. That's kind. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. And I'm going to use that money. Thank you, my God. (laughs) Oh my God. Uh, last question that I think will just be like a fun question that I saw Phoebe Robertson mm-hmm. um, pose to Amber Ruffin. Oh. But it is, if you could go into any person's body for a day, living or dead, who would it be in on what day? I feel like this says Ooh. a lot about a person as soon as I was like thinking about it. I'm going to walk you through, and these are not my final choices, but I'm going to walk you through my first like immediate, immediate answers. Natalie Portman, F. Scott Fitzgerald. Natalie Portman and what? On what day? She just seems so chic. Like, I'll take any day in fucking Natalie Portman's <laughs> life. 
Like, I don't know. Oh, probably on the day she was like shooting makeout scenes with Hayden Christensen. <laughs> like, that feels like a pretty good day to pick. Mm-hmm. I just love Natalie Portman. She's like, she's very much a role model. Or like Zelda Fitzgerald, I think would even be more fascinating. Uh, on a particular, which particular day? I think that's like the big thing. It's like, what day? Yeah, that's, yeah, because those were actually, those three came to my head before you had finished what particular day. What was her answer? Now I'm curious. Her, Do you remember Amber, Amber Ruffin's answer? Yeah, it was Janet Jackson on tour because she said that, you know, she does stand up and going up on stage is probably very different than being yeah. a singer and performer to like go up on stage. That's a good point. And she's like, Oh, I would love to go oh. up on stage and just <gasps> hit the choreography real hard. Oh yeah. Then if we're talking that, that's a really good answer. I'd want to be Beyonce at Coachella. Mm, that's a good answer. Oh, wow. Yeah. Bottle that experience up and sell it for like a million dollars a bottle. Like, Oh my God. Mm-hmm. To feel literally like a God mm-hmm. and Oh man. Yeah. Beyonce on the homecoming Coachella tour. It wasn't even a tour performance. Oh man. Something um, me and Sarah, Sarah's a friend um, talked about. Yeah. And they said, Oh, why don't um, I would probably do like Lady Gaga. And I was like, Oh yeah. Lady Gaga at like a Grammys performance. So they get to perform. Then they get to meet all get to like win Grammys. Oh, you get to meet everybody. Yeah. Win Grammys and then party all night. Well, and that's what I thought of like immediately when I thought it was like Natalie Portman at the Oscars, but like she's, you don't win. (laughs) And then one you don't even go to because you're pregnant. That's right. So she hasn't won an Oscar yet. I'm trying to think now in my head, I'm like, did she win an Oscar? Did she not win it for like Black Swan or something? No, it was for Black Swan. She's been nominated twice since and has not won. Maybe it's Saoirse Ronan, so again, I can make out with Timothy Chalamet. But I don't want my days to just be like I get to make out with a hot, famous person. Yeah, I think, and now I really, this is like another hour of just you and I talking about this. This was like the question we posed to each other the other week of like, what famous person do you think you could hit on and actually have a chance with? Yeah. That was an hour-long conversation between Christina and I. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was an hour-long conversation between you and I. Honestly, I think, yeah, Beyonce on Coachella, especially like knowing how hard you've worked because she worked. And that's the other thing is I would get to be in that body and have that experience without any of the hard work. <laughs> right. like, I wouldn't have to like work for nine months to like, you know, get the orchestration down and get the, you know, whatever work off the, like the baby weight. Like I wouldn't have to do that. Mm-hmm. It'd be like, cool. Just have the energy. Yeah. Just show up and, and also no, cause it's just your brain. So the body is going to do what it's supposed to do. Mm-hmm. I guess the brain has to tell the body, but in, in this in hypothetical scenario, I know all the choreography and I know what I'm going to do. And yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. That'd be pretty. Uh, yeah. That's probably, I don't know. I'm sure there's a better answer, but that's the best answer I can think of. Well, do you have anything that else that you'd want to ask yourself or something that I didn't no, know? No, this was fun. <laughs> Anything that you want to tell the people? Well, I definitely probably was wanting to wait till the end to say this, but yeah, just how, how incredibly proud I am of you. Um, professionally and personally. I'm so proud. I'm so proud of you. Obviously we're not going to talk on the podcast about it, but Christine's been through a lot of shit. (laughs) Y'all Christine's been through a lot of shit in the past couple of years. And my God, she's handled it with grace and, strength and uh, I'm just honored to be your best friend. Thank you. And that was not a prompt for you to give me. <laughs> no, I know. I know, but we're not going to, I mean, I'm awesome. You're also awesome. And we need to talk about how we're both awesome. At the same time. 
I think it's so amazing how you, um, your voice really speaks with people. And if that means that it can, can make things a little bit more equal and women have more power than hell. Yeah. How fucking yeah. That's the, that's the whole deal. That's the whole idea. Mm-hmm. And also too, I think coming from a best friend, personal growth, obviously is like amazing. I will also say one of the things that being in this position, seeing how you've handled when people have said terrible things to you. One, it's like amazing that you can bounce back from that. And also really hard for me not to want to start a bunch of fights and be that petty bitch (laughs) when I see it. Um, And I think a lot of people don't really realize the conversations that maybe me and Tori are having like off off of Instagram or, or people who only have like a small snapshot of something that you've said or have done um, instead of really following you or knowing who you are. So I, I really appreciate, I, I think one of the biggest things that um, we're able to still be friends and to grow as friends um, is just your ability to listen. You're great at talking but you're also really great at <laughs> You're an amazing talker, but you're also a good listener. <laughs> you form words into a sentence good. That's funny you say that's really kind because I feel like I have a lot of work to do to be a good listener. But <laughs> now I'm saying, <laughs> I think, but the thing is, is that you are willing to listen and you are putting in work to do that. People can take that and just let it, fall off their back but I feel like similarly like with the practice of Buddhism where you're always like constantly trying to better yourself as a person I think yeah. that's something that you're really conscientious about so I try to be I don't want to be a person who never changes or never grows that's no fun no fun to be no fun to be around and everybody has different experiences so yeah it's it's we can't really form things and say everybody fits in a bubble but yeah. Well, I think one of the things I love about our friendship is that we've really had to work to assume positive intent always, always, always. And that's something that doesn't come naturally to me, unfortunately, and something that I've had to work on and something that I think we've strengthened within each other is that neither one of us are trying to hurt some each other. Neither one of us are trying to say something mean or ignorant or any of those things. And sometimes it happens and it's, you know, understanding that that's, that's not what they meant. And then asking, what did you mean by that? Mm -hmm. Or like, tell me, tell me more about what you just said. And that way we're able to typically work through something that could have been an explosion by assuming you knew what this person meant, right? Or assuming that they were trying to hurt you or assuming that the way you're feeling, whether hurt or frustrated is how they intended you to feel. Because I think nine times out of 10, anybody is not trying to piss you off, hopefully. Yeah. And I think we're mature enough, thankfully, that we understand uh, what that can look like. And we try to not do that. I just love you. And I thank you so much. I love you. I love you so much. Thanks for being on. Tell people where they can find you. Well, pre-COVID, I used to perform on stage, but now uh, post-COVID, you can find me on Instagram at K0TA. And then 
I don't know, TikTok. It's going to be, it's Hey Kota. Hey, K-O-T-A. K-O-T-A. Um, and I can't believe we got through this whole thing without discussing this, but Christine is a semi-professional improvisational comedian and a damn good one at that. So uh, if you're into improv, <laughs> if you like, and uh, you should check out her work. And if you are local to Seattle or Los Angeles, she kind of splits her time between Seattle and LA. And you're listening to this when improv is a thing again. Come, come see Christine's shows. She's very good at what she does. And that support I know would mean a lot to her. Thank you. Yeah. I'm hoping I'll, nice. I'll get to have more time and, and hopefully put more stuff out there. Who knows when things will be back up and running. <sighs> you good? I'm great. How are you feeling? I'm good. Love you. I love you. Miss Fran. This is the last episode of season one of Financial Feminist. And in the understatement of the year, we have to say this season went pretty well. (laughs) I cannot thank you enough for your support of our show, for showing up in every way to hype it up and working to spread our mission of financial feminism. A huge shout out to our guests for taking time to be on the show and to my incredible team at Her First 100K. Could not have done this without you. If you don't already know, I have signed a book deal with HarperCollins and my manuscript is due soon and I am nowhere close to being done. So now that season one of the podcast is wrapped up, getting my book draft done is top of our to-do list. So in this hiatus between seasons one and two, please continue supporting the show. We want to keep the momentum going. We want this show to impact as many people as possible, to change as many lives as possible. So please keep subscribing and sharing and telling your community even during our little bit of a break here. And if you want more information about what we discussed in this episode or previous episodes, more information about Christine, myself, and the show, check out our detailed show notes at financialfeministpodcast.com. And if you're ready to get started in your financial journey, you can head over to herfirst100k.com slash start. Until I see you again, thanks for being financial feminists. Love y'all, and I'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to Financial Feminist. Financial Feminist is produced and hosted by me, Tori Dunlap, theme song and audio production by Jonah Cohen Sound, administration and marketing by Olivia Kokana, Sophia Cohen, and Kristen Fields, research by Ariel Johnson, promotional graphics by Mary Stratton, and photography by Sarah Wolf. A huge thanks to the entire Her First 100K team and community for supporting the show. For more information about Financial Feminist, Her First 100K, our guests, and our sponsors, go to financialfeministpodcast.com.